Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing this afternoon? Well, I should say morning. It's still morning on the West Coast. How are you doing this morning, Robert? Doing great, Ali. Thanks so much. It's, uh, you know, it's it's honestly never ending. I uh, we were just discussing the beginning of week 11. We got all these games to cover. And uh, now, of course, with the World Cup, uh, it's it's honestly just nonstop here for sports betting from any kind of perspective. So about ready to watch the uh, the opening minutes of uh, U.S. and Wales. But uh, it's it's just been an incredible, incredible fall into winter. Allie. Yeah, I do have the game on in the background, USA and Wales. I used to work at Fox Sports, who broadcast the World Cup, and it always used to be the craziest time. So definitely going to be watching the games. Group stages is always fun just to see all the different countries playing. I know we will have an episode once the group stages are over and we get the round of 16, I believe. We'll, we'll talk some betting when we get to that. But right now there's just too much going on with college football, college basketball's in session, the NBA, NHL. But everyone focuses right now on the NFL still. And we had another crazy weekend it wasn't my best week coming off of the week prior. I was 11 and three against the spread this week. I only was five and eight against the spread, had a few bad beats, a few games missed by only half a point, which killed. So that leads me to our trends, Robert. What are we looking at from the weekend? How did underdogs do? How did the overs hit or unders? What are we looking at? Yeah. If you're betting straight up and you bet the favorites, boy, did you do well. Uh, favorites went 10 and two straight up on Sunday. However, just seven and five against the spread. Uh, road teams, they led six, five straight up and seven and four against the spread with the uh, Browns Bills game. I guess I graded as a neutral site. Totals uh, tied six and six, Allie. All right. So it was right down the middle. And of course, I always take more underdogs than I take favorites. So had a few bad beats in them. The Rams are just disgusted me. I, I couldn't believe that. I actually thought they would step up in the absence of Cooper Cup with Matt Stafford coming back. They lost pretty handily. I thought the Steelers would get a backdoor cover. They did not. The Jets, I was high on the Jets coming into this game, and everything looked like it was going my way until the Patriots decided to extend the Jets' curse, and there was a 84-yard punt return that won them the game. So, say the least, Robert, it was another crazy weekend in the NFL. You know, there's no doubt about that. And, I, you know, I, I took a look at some of these games that uh, were going to be, uh, you know, I, I guess flashpoints here, at least from a sports book perspective. Uh, and we had an awful lot of um, favorites being bet on the spread, but the dogs being bet uh, on the um, on the money line outright. So as long as the book was going to see the favorites win, not cover, it's going to be a pretty good day. Um Allie, it was a pretty good day for the books. Yeah, I can imagine because there was it wasn't too many upsets that I saw. I thought that the Chargers, even though I took the Chargers with the points, so I covered, but I thought they had a chance to upset the Chiefs. That was a crazy game last night. I thought the I thought the Texans would do better against the against the Commanders. They did not. There was a few other underdogs I thought could Jets included thought could win outright. But we saw the Lions win outright. We saw the Raiders win outright. So there were a few upsets. Let's go to the marquee games, though, and talk about a few of them. And the first one I wanted to highlight was the Vikings and Cowboys, because, Robert, both you and I 
were adamant that we were backing the Cowboys. The spread was a head scratcher with the Cowboys being favored one week after losing to Green Bay and the Vikings pulling off an improbable upset of the Bills. I knew the Cowboys were going to win. I didn't think it was going to be that high of a blowout. It was just from the beginning, you could see the Vikings were just in for a shellacking. So, Robert, let me ask you this first. Was this just too predictable of a win for the Cowboys? And was the Vikings exposed in this game? Well, I don't know if it was predictable. I, I think that, well, maybe we maybe we put the Minnesota Vikings up on, a, on, on the championship pedal still way too early. Record isn't really a indicator of everything. Uh, and, and that's clear as, you know, when I, you know, put out my power rankings, I mean, did I have them high? Yeah, I mean, if you want to call them, you know, somewhere be- between, uh, you know, seventh and tenth best team, then I guess that's high. But boy, I mean, their their offensive line was tragically bad, Allie. I mean, Cousins was sacked seven times. Nick Mullins got reps. Uh, you know, the Vikings were one for eleven on third down. One hundred and eighty-three yards of total offense. Uh, I mean, they had six penalties in the third quarter alone. So it's, yeah, yeah, they definitely were. You know, that's it's a great, great way to circle this one. They were exposed. Yeah, and I had mentioned it coming into this game. The last time the Vikings really played a, a top secondary was against the Eagles in week two. And Kirk Cousins threw three interceptions. Justin Jefferson had a poor day. And it was just a bad showing. The Cowboys have a very good secondary, obviously led by Trayvon Diggs. And you could see that in the game yesterday that the Vikings were just, they were just overmatched by the Cowboys. Dak Prescott had a great day. Tony Pollard just ran all over them. I think he's pretty much establishing he's the number one back over Ezekiel Elliott. But I mean, Prescott was averaging 11 yards per completion, Robert. Is is the Vikings is the Vikings secondary is, is what well, actually let me rephrase this. Is it more is this loss more in the Vikings defense or the offense? You know, uh that's a great, great question, actually. I think that their defense isn't that good. I, their offense right. is, is very exceptional, but their defense, no, you know, they they, they were not good at all. Uh, definitely were gutted here. Maybe it's just something about playing the NFC East. I don't know. But I just think that, you know, when, when the Cowboys scored on their first seven possessions, I, I knew that they, that they were going to have their way. Uh, and yeah. they just let let the system continue to play its way through because why mess with success? Keep gashing them with a run. And that's exactly how it ended up playing. So, uh, you know, good on Dallas for for, for not really having to, you know, uh, change things up. They they found ways to win, and it was you know clear by halftime exactly what they needed to continue to do. Uh, there and again, uh, their Vikings offensive line just really, really didn't give any kind of hope for Minnesota. Uh, they as it was early on, I knew that they were going to need to score in the high twenties to have even a chance, and even that wasn't going to be enough, Allie. No, and if you look, Kirk Cousins only targeted Justice Jefferson five times. Jefferson yeah. only had three catches for 33 yards. And that's to go back to my point earlier. When you have when you face a, a potent Dallas secondary, like with Trayvon Diggs in it and the secondary as a whole, Kirk Cousins struggles. People again, I made this this point when we were talking on the show last week. 
even though Buffalo has a very good defense, their secondary is the weak link. They have a very good front seven, but until they get Tredarius White back, they're they're playing rookies at the corners. Their safeties are just okay. So you really you really got to factor in that they weren't playing against the best secondary against Dallas uh, against Buffalo. Sorry. Now they come up against Dallas. So before we move on to the next to the next game, though, Robert, the last question I want to ask you. Between these two teams going forward uh, in your power rankings, maybe this is a little preview. Would you put now de- like it, definitely the Cowboys over the Vikings or is this just a one game? Dallas just got the better of the Vikings. No, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I had uh, Dallas ahead of Minnesota all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, once Dak Prescott came back, you know, we we, we started to see what the team really was about. Uh, you know, fortunately, it didn't take him, you know, the entirety of the season to come back from his finger injury. But he's back now. And now that he's back and controlling the offense, we know how great this defense is. Uh, I've got them firmly entrenched in top six. Let's just go with that right now without even, you know, analyzing it any further. Minnesota, uh, they'll, they'll still be ranked in the top 10. They're just, they're, I, I really think that there's, they're, if they're going to be facing anyone of, of, look, they're not beating San Francisco. They're not beating Dallas. Uh, heck, they might not even, honestly, Right now, I don't know if they're going to even beat Tampa Bay. I, I guess we could look forward to that one. Uh, you know, eventually we could take a look at that. I just don't know if they're going to have, uh, you know, top three in their conference right now at all. Despite, again, record doesn't mean really much of anything, Ellie. They kind of remind me, Robert, of the Tennessee Titans last year. I know Tennessee got the number one seed, yeah. but you knew they were vulnerable. You knew that in the even though they had a first run by, they were a vulnerable team once it came to the playoffs and it, it was so because the Bengals beat them and the Titans didn't get one playoff win. Is that a fair comparison? Absolutely. Yeah, yes. it, is. it is. I agree it is. with you. I've they're never been. A- yeah. They're, they're loading themselves up on, on wins. It's it's like loading up on carbs. <laughs> not yep. not going to go far with it. Yeah, I agree. But let's move on to the next game. And it was an exciting primetime game last night. The Chiefs and the Chargers. I felt like the game just kept going back and forth, which it did. The Chiefs pulled off the win at the end. Travis Kelsey just proved why he is the best hands-down tight end right now in the NFL and probably better than the majority of receivers out there as well. So let me ask you this, Robert, because the story is going to be that the Chargers had the lead. They were at home. They had the lead earlier in the year against the Chiefs when they played in Kansas City, and they still and they still lost. How did the Chargers blow just another game to the Chiefs? Chiefs, you know, and I don't want to even just can we just I don't want to even hear rivalry anymore. There's no rivalry, right? No. It's like every time they play, Kansas City just ends up kicking their asses. Look, Staley throwing the ball twice after the two minute warning instead of running it that's that's a pretty wild decision. Yeah, especially uh, with the game Eckler was having. Right. Well, that's exactly the whole point, right? If if you know that he's going to have success, just continue to feed him the ball. Uh, I don't know. Just add the Chargers now to the list of teams that left too much time on the clock for the you know against the Chiefs. For that matter, uh, Travis Kelsey. By the way, Allie, this guy is great. He's eleven receiving touchdowns. Crazy. It's not even Thanksgiving. 
So, and, you know, I'm looking at his stat. He's already tied for most in his career in a season. On pace for a career high in catches, yards, touchdowns, 33 years old. Uh, really, really incredible player. And I'll, I'll probably think that, you know, the Chargers, yeah, they, they, we finally started to see some glimpses of Allen and, and Mike Williams together. It, it might honestly just be too late. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to put, you know, a, a run together towards the end of the year to to make a push for a wild card. And then, then you know, let's just see what happens, as they say. But we've got, oh, let's see here. If we peer into the rest of this season, we've got at Arizona, they'll probably be a favorite. Um, Vegas, pick them. Miami, hosting Miami, maybe that'll be a pick them. Hosting Tennessee, maybe a one-point favorite. Uh, at the Colts, Rams, at Denver. I mean, it it seems like they should win the majority of those games, no? You would think, but it's like the Chargers every year, Robert. They just always disappoint. They come out with so much promise, yeah. and they just disappoint. Let me ask you this right now, because it's going to be tough to get in the wild card. You have the Jets competing, either Buffalo or Miami, whoever doesn't win that division. You still have New England in there. You have Baltimore and Cincinnati. Who knows if Indy makes a last-minute run. Would What would you put the odds on today, Robert, that the Chargers make the playoffs? Uh, no. Um Like the first number that that jumped into my head is I probably want to give you ten to one. I don't think I would take that. I really don't. <laughs> I mean, I like, thought I was being generous. <laughs> I I don't think I would take that because I think you're going to get two teams out of the AFC East. That's a given. I yeah. think that the P. I don't think it's the Jets. I think the Jets are going to come back to earth, but I think the Patriots are going to make a late season run. You're going to have either Buffalo or Miami who doesn't win that division. But I I think the third wild card spot's gonna be between Cincinnati and Baltimore, Robert. Who are you thinking? Yeah, that's actually fair. Uh, as I'm looking at the, the the table right now, you're 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 right. They they've got a very huge uphill battle climb. I closed the odds to win the AFC championship uh, you know, Sunday at, at 10 a.m. Pacific. And I had the Chargers at 25 to 1 to win the AFC championship. Now, yeah, just you know, just to make the playoffs. Maybe you're right. Maybe I do got to double it. Maybe I do have to make it 20 to 1 to make the playoffs. You're right. So let's move on quick because I don't want to spend all the time on the Chargers, but let, let's talk about the Chiefs. We talked about Kelsey and how he can't be stopped. Now you have still the receiving core, the receiving core is in question. Kadarius Towney, he got a hamstring injury, which uh, irony. <laughs> right. <laughs> After saying it wasn't an hamstring injury. But does this team need a legitimate receiver? Like, if they have, are they going to get Odell Beckham? Are they the front runners? Do you think a and b? If they don't get Odell Beckham, are they still missing that marquee number one guy, or is Kelsey just enough? Kelsey is just enough. <laughs> he really is. And I know there's there's just been a score of injuries, but everyone's got injuries. And I honestly think if they just go and start digging into their depth chart, they'll end up finding someone. Now, look, you, you can't just, you know, plug and play wide receivers, you know, especially this late in the season. Mm -hmm. 
but they just simply find a way and and it's and it's clear maybe maybe that's it and honestly ali maybe uh Kadarius tony was that that big acquisition and then i, I honestly think that that's going to be it you know as, as time progresses you know they'll still have another month before they go and and, and start to get challenged and then make their way into the playoffs because obviously they're going to make the playoffs but look I, I think even in the very own, uh, you know, coming up, they're, they're a two-touchdown favorite hosting the Rams at the Bengals. They'll probably be a small one-point favorite. At Denver, they'll be a big favorite. At Houston, probably a two-touchdown favorite. Hosting Seattle, maybe double-digit. You know, Week 17, hosting Denver, definitely double-digit. Um, so... They'll be favorites throughout, and this is even with their injuries taken into factor, Ali. Yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy how good this team is, and mm-hmm. I think I used to think it's going to be Bills, Kansas City in the AFC Championship. You might have Miami there now, but the Chiefs are definitely going to be a tough team to beat. So let's move on to the next game I want to highlight, and that's unfortunately my New York Giants and their dud against the Detroit Lions. So I'll say. I watched, you know, not the entire game because I watched Red Zone a lot, but I was flipping back and forth. And probably by the fourth quarter, I was pretty much done with my team. I just was like, we're not coming back. There was a lot of win yesterday. Daniel Jones didn't have his best game of the season. He threw two interceptions, his first multi-turnover game of the season. Saquon did next to nothing. So let me ask you this first about the Giants, Robert. You know, there was a lot of wind in that game. But was this loss more on Jones or on Barkley not showing up? Allie, I've got a feeling that it's maybe a little bit of both here. Uh, I circled these turnovers. The one at the half, right before the half, was really like, to me, it was just like deflating in every sense of of the way we could look at it. I just, you know, Hutchinson, by the way, he's going to be, He's going to be really good for a long, long yeah. time. That was a crazy interception. Like, it, was, it was pretty wild. He got up there. Uh, you know, not only that, you know, but he also recovered a fumble, you know, and he basically helped set up 14 points. Yeah. You know, uh, Goff, you know, he didn't have a turnover for the second straight game. Um, and then really, you know, we're looking at 89 yards of rushing for the Giants. I mean, that's what Barkley picks up, like, at the end of the half in most games. Yep. So, I mean, God, I don't want to say that they are who we thought they were, but it just seems as if the Giants have to play a perfect mistake-free game for a chance at a win, Allie. It does feel like that. And I kind of had a bad feeling before kickoff. I just did. I was like, I, I saw that there was a lot of shot running coming in on the lines, and I was like, this could be a game that we lose. I don't know why. We also are dealing with an influx of injuries now. Wendell Robinson, our promising wide receiver, is out for the season now. So that's just another injury coming up. It just feels like you said, Robert, we need to play perfect. And even when in the games that we play perfect and win, it just always seems like it's not enough. And I know probably some people are going to be knocking me because I say the same thing about Seattle. I say the same thing about New York Jets that I'm not buying them. But this team, this team, and I'm not just trying to be biased. It just feels different because we're still winning despite all these injuries. Seattle and the Jets, I can't say the same thing. But yes, the Jets lost Brees Hall. Yes, Seattle lost Rashad Penny. But losing Penny allowed them to discover Kenneth Walker. Yes. 
And the Jets still went and traded for James Robinson, who was a number one back last year. So I can't really say that I compare the same. I don't want to put all the blame on Daniel Jones. And I know he has been getting a lot of flack because he did throw two interceptions. But the guy's doing everything he can. And there was still a lot of penalties in that game. I saw a lot of mistakes by the offensive line. There was some ineligible men downfield. There was some holding penalties. He's still not getting a ton of time in the pocket. I don't want to put all this blame on Daniel Jones. I thought the defense could have done a better job stepping up. They didn't. They allowed a lot of first downs. I think that the offensive line, to go back to them, I still think we need to, besides Andrew Thomas, we need to re- reinvent the entire offensive line in the offseason. What What are you seeing that I'm not, Robert? Yeah, I, I you know, it's we, we drafted Evan Neal, right? I was super, super jacked to get him. Me too. He's, he's obviously not really been, you know, healthy. You know, that, that's putting it light. So if, but honestly, if, if we'd have, you know, Thomas is incredible. We have Thomas and Neal 100% all year. That would make a big difference. I don't, you, you know, Slayton, I mean, look, I, I can't believe we're like, hey, look, we got Kenny Galladay. Yay. Yeah, he made no. a catcher too. <laughs> not good i can't believe we still have him on the roster but who else who else i mean hodgins there's there's no one to throw to i I honestly if you told me in may of 2023 the giants drafted seven wide receivers in the draft i'd be like yeah okay i'm good with that i would be the same way i don't care it's like draft as many wide receivers and offensive linemen this draft and just see who sticks and who doesn't yeah and That's I was it. kind of hearing that because they were flashing back and forth to the Chicago Atlanta game yesterday, and they were still talking about how Justin Fields has been good and he doesn't have help. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. They just traded for Chase Claypool, who people were debating if he was a number one receiver in the Steelers like yeah. last year. Yeah. He, they still have Jarnell Mooney, who people have projected to be a number one receiver, and that's why they let Allen Robinson go. They have Cole Komet, a tight end they drafted in the second round, I believe two seasons ago. So they have guys. This is not a lack of a receiving core. Daniel Jones has a lack of a receiving core. He's had it his entire career. I do think that he has stepped up, that he's going to get the franchise tag. He's not going to get a long-term contract yet. But you got to give this team receivers if you're going to win. I don't want to keep hearing that it's all on Saquon. If Saquon doesn't perform, they're not good because Daniel Jones is really doing everything he can. And the fact that he he only threw his third and fourth interception of the season oh. last year, last uh, yesterday, and we're on week 11, Robert, is the guy just making strides and he's just still not getting the credit he deserves? Yeah, absolutely he is. Again, it, it's – He's he's hitting his targets, albeit whoever they may be. Uh, the the offense just needs help. Detroit, as you know, look, we 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 laughed, you know, in the first couple of weeks of the season, like, okay, so basically any Lions game is going to be somewhere in the 30s because they can't stop anybody and they just score at will. Uh, well, I mean, they you know clearly got themselves developed to a point where they could recognize that this is going to be the Barkley show. And that they, they decided they were going to have Jones beat them. Uh, and it, it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Yep. Well, it was a bad game. I'm not going to reflect too much. There's also the factor that maybe they're looking ahead to Thanksgiving where they rematch the, the, the Dallas Cowboys. That always is a big factor when teams play on Thursday. Sometimes they are looking a little too far ahead. Robert and I will talk more about our that game on Wednesday when we do our Thanksgiving special. But 
not going to spend too much more time on the Giants. It was a rough loss for us. Can't win every game. We're still seven and three. We still have some marquee wins. Ravens for one. Still when the Packers, everyone thought they were good. We still have a win against them. So it's it's not like we're just beating up on bad teams. But let's move on to the Jets and the Patriots. And I just wanted to highlight this one because it was one of the weirdest games of the day, Robert. It was like a 10-minute delay because CBS's camera crew couldn't get their, their shit together. The game just was back and forth. It was one of the most boring games to the last, what, 15 seconds. So let me ask you this for takeaways because – in that AFC East division, every game against a division opponent is vital because of the competition and how it's the best division in that conference. So with the Jets losing to the Patriots, and now they lost to the Patriots twice this season, is this the beginning of the end for the Jets season? Is is their Cinderella story coming to a close? No, their, their defense is still so stellar. Right. Uh, but I, I want to talk – just called the Giants game a bad game. This was horrible. This was just like I I didn't want to spend more than like 60 seconds watching this as I was looking through all the, the games on on the screens yesterday. Just eh, it negative 21 passing yards for the Jets in the second half. Yeah. Two yards on seven possessions. And you know, obviously, you know, Marcus Jones, you know, with the dagger there at the end. Uh, when, when you have 103 total yards of offense, they, they now the Jets need they need five and two down the stretch for the playoffs. They need yeah, it. and, and I don't they're not going to get it, Allie. They're not. No, I, I'm, I'm projecting them as as dogs in many of them, and yep. I, I don't see them getting those five wins at all. I'm looking at their schedule right now. I think they will beat the Bears next Sunday. I think that's a win for them. But they're not being the Vikings in Minnesota. That's a loss. They're not being the Bills in a rematch in Buffalo. That's a loss. The Lions at home, I think that's a loss. That's three losses in the next four games that I'm potentially looking at. So so that's it. It's over right there. And then if you want to – Yeah, if you want to look then at the final three games of the season, Jaguars will give them that win. Then they have to go to Seattle and play the the Seahawks, which is a really tough game. And then they close the season against the Dolphins. Jets aren't going anywhere. This is it. Sorry, Jets fans. You had a nice little Cinderella story. I know I'm not being biased because I'm a Giants fan, but until you get your quarterback situation right, it's not the year for you. I mean, Zach Wilson is not good, Robert. No, he's not. We That's clear. They don't have a quarterback. They don't. And, uh, you know, it's, to me, I'm going to continue saying this for the rest of my life. If you don't have a quarterback, you must draft a quarterback in the first round until you get it right. It's just the way this league is right now. Not a quarterback, you have nothing. And you can, you can see it. The Jets are loaded everywhere. They've got incredible talent in, in a lot of key positions, you know, Brees Hall notwithstanding. It ain't Zach Wilson. It's not. No. Let's move quickly before we get into our next segment on the Patriots. So, Robert – they're making a case to they're rising up in the standings. Is this team going to be a wild card team? Okay. Well, if we go out of the magic number of 10 again, uh, at Minnesota week 12 at Minnesota. Nope. At Buffalo uh, hosting Buffalo. Nope. At Arizona, maybe a pick them, maybe the win there. So that's one at Vegas. Probably not. Maybe so. Uh, 
Hosting Cincinnati, I don't think so. Hosting Miami, don't think so. And then at Buffalo. So no, they're not going to make it either. Yeah, I agree with you right there. All right. Well, those are the four games I wanted to highlight yesterday. There was a lot of other su- weird surprises. I mean, Baltimore struggled against Carolina. I didn't really see that coming. But then I also heard that Lamar Jackson hadn't been ill the previous week. So maybe that had to do with his performance. The Eagles had a crawl back against the Colts. Colts looks like they're they're winning. At, well, they didn't win yesterday, but they're playing better under Jeff Saturday. It was a weird game yesterday. But let's move on to the next segment. And because this is Thanksgiving week in America, this is our thankful segment. So, Robert, I'm going to name a team, and you need to tell me which player or coach that this team should be most grateful for as a de- as a detriment to, or well, as a pin to their success this season. You ready? This is very good. Let me get nice, nice, vigorous, swift, uh, real nice vigorous swig of my coffee here okay i'm ready for this one this is going to be fun all right let's go we'll start out with our team and that's the new york giants robert who should they be most thankful for oh okay easy brian dable absolutely 100 very thankful thank you brian thank you brian thank you brian yep he's definitely the turkey at this thanksgiving (laughs) dinner for sure all right let's move on to the next team robert the Dallas Cowboys, which player or coach should this team be most thankful for? Uh, okay, so I got to clear my my biases here, speaking of. Um, Micah Parsons, how about that? I'm thankful for Micah Parsons. You make the Dallas Cowboys star shine bright. So I'll go a different way, and I'll say Kellen Moore, because the, the Cowboys season could have been in the drain, but somehow he worked wonders while Cooper Rush was at quarterback. And he had that offense hanging in there and helping to win them games. So I'm going to say they, they should be most thankful for Kellen Moore. Good. All right, let's move on to the next team, Robert. The Seattle Seahawks. Which player or coach should this team be most thankful for? Uh, coach Pete, definitely. Coach Pete for recognizing before anybody that Russell Wilson is absolutely bleached, uh, got rid of him kept the same system and uh, voila uh, a victorious season that no one saw other than him. Yeah, I could go, I could side with you, but uh, since, just to give a little bit of a discrepancy, I'll say Kenneth Walker, because I think that if they don't have an established run game, once Rashad Penny goes down, they don't have that to lean on when Geno Smith can't perform. And we've seen in their losses that when you do take away the run game, they do tend to struggle. So I'll go with Kenneth Walker, the third. Great pick. All right, let's go to the next team, the New York Jets, Robert. Which player or coach should this team be most grateful for? Oh, ah, man, it's like I want to – I'm asking for permission to grab two turkey drums. Uh, I, want, I want both Thoughts Gardner and Quinn and Williams. They're both so, so good. And I don't think that without those two uh, – that the Jets even have a 500 record. Yeah, I, I would agree 100% with Sauce Gardner is the number one for me because he brings life. He brings kind of, he's kind of like a Daryl Revis, the Revis Island. He just brings that little spice that the Jets need to kind of compete with the New York Giants to be the, and not saying the, the big brother shadow. But I do think that their defense is definitely something to build on. Robert Sala did a great job in the draft getting those guys 
Their offense, it will have a bright future in their run game once Brees Hall comes back from his injury. They just got to do something about the quarterback. They have talented receivers, Garrett Wilson right there. They have, you know, Elijah Moore. I don't know what's happened to him, but he's still a great receiver. So they do have some, some tools to build on. All right, the last team, Robert, the Washington Commanders. Which player or coach should this team be most thankful for? I, uh, <clears throat> no, I'm not. I'm not going to go for the easy one here. No, uh, <laughs> how, about, <laughs> how about their their defense? You know, they, have, they have so many sacks. Like every time yeah. I see a Washington highlight, it's because of a sack. Whether it's like Payne, I don't know what's the other guy, Montez Sweat. Crap, even their linebackers, uh, Obata, David, they're all picking up sacks just nonstop. And this is without Chase Young. How about that? I think when when he comes, forget it. They're going to be a, a probably a – I'd probably put him top five from a defensive perspective. They're just so much quarterback pressure. Without that, man, Washington would definitely be sunk. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. The defense is a very <clears throat> underrated unit, and they were terrible to start the season. They have come around – and I would say they're more of the reason that they've been winning games rather than Taylor Heineke. They have been yeah. limiting their opponents. If you saw what they did to the Eagles, there's no way they win that game if, they, if they're not getting the turnovers that they did. All right, let's move on to our final segment, and that is our ever-popular buy or sell segment. You ready for this one, Robert? Okay. Took another right. sip of my coffee. Let's, this is great. I, this is always my favorite part of my Monday. Let's do it. All right, we'll start with an easy one. We kind of answered it earlier, but I want to expound on it a little bit more. Buy or sell, the Patriots will make the playoffs. Okay, right. Yep, definitely selling. I don't see them getting the uh, absolute requirement of double-digit wins. Way too much talent ahead. That's, uh, you know, they're, they're just basically looking at their strength of schedule the rest of the way, and they've got way too many challenges to to break into the double-digit win category. Don't see it happening. I am selling them making the playoffs. I'm going to sell for now, but with a caveat, because I still think that they have an outside shot to make it. I know that Buffalo or Miami will get one of the wild card spots. Cincinnati or Baltimore will get another one. The last one's going to come, I believe, between them and the Chargers. I don't think the Jets are going to be in the running, but I think the Patriots – Right now, I'd put the Chargers a little bit ahead of them in terms of probability, but I think the Patriots can somehow sneak in. So I'm going to sell right now, but at a very low cost. All right, let's move on to the next one, Robert. Buy or sell? There will be multiple upsets on Thanksgiving Day. Mm. <clears throat> okay. Um, Giants cover. I think the Patriots get rumped. So, yeah. uh, well, all right. Look, unless my prime rib doesn't hit the oven by high noon, then I don't see I don't see the upsets coming. So, I'm actually going to sell on upsets on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to buy it. I'm going to not be a fan, but I think that the Giants were looking ahead. I think that we will upset the the Cowboys. I love teams coming off of blowouts. I always feel like they kind of fall flat. It's a short week to to prepare. They 
They did a lot against the Vikings. They might be riding on too high of a horse. The Giants, I'm sure, are going to get an earful from Brian DeBall this week. And I think that they're going to be ready to play. And I will also go as far as to say, I think the Lions have a chance to upset the Bills. I really do. I know the Bills just, just defeated Cleveland. But Cleveland, they have their offensive woes. And the Bills have struggled against teams as of late. I don't think they just righted the ship against Cleveland yesterday. I think the Lions will pose a threat with their with their scoring. So I think that there is a very good shot that the Lions will upset the Bills. I won't I won't bet the money line. I'm gonna take the points. But I, I do think that there is I'm gonna buy that there's gonna be multiple upsets. Thanksgiving's weird. Yeah. All right. Next one, Robert. Buy or sell? Odell Beckham Jr. will sign with the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, so, okay. Lots of probabilities here with this one. If he signs, right? That's the first one. And uh, yeah, I know he's quite active on, on social media and making commentary about, uh, you know, games going by and then it, you know, whips everyone into a frenzy. Yeah. I think... For one, if he signs, and then two, uh, he's got so many choices. I will sell. I will sell that he signs with the Cowboys. I think there's plenty of other great opportunities. Uh, that's if he does sign. So selling him signing with the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to sell that too. Although I would like for him to sign with the Giants. I don't think he will. I think as much. I think he yeah. does actually want to come back to New York. But I don't think under these circumstances, I don't think that we're a surefire bet at all to get to the Super Bowl. I think he's going to go with a surefire bet, which is Kansas City. I think that Kansas City, with Juju being out, with Tony hurt now, I think they will open the door and invite Odell Beckham Jr. in. So I think he's going to be a Kansas City Chief. So I will sell. All right, the next one, Robert. Buy or sell. Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in his division. Oof. This one's a tough transaction. I'm probably going to get shortchanged, but I'm going to sell. I still think it's Lamar Jackson. I, I think without him, Baltimore absolutely sinks. Uh, yeah, he's he's had he's had a rough go of it. You know, in, in, in several weeks, he's made some mistakes that have caused the, the Ravens to lose. However, the, he has led them to seven wins and 10 starts this year with a, a, a broken core of running backs, really not much to throw to at all. Uh, so I think it is still Lamar Jackson. Uh, there's, there's, look, I just said, you don't have a quarterback. Just keep drafting. The Bengals are going to have their quarterback for the next 10 plus years, you know, and then Burroughs is really incredible, but I think still uh, Lamar Jackson best in the division. So uh, I'm going to sell. Sell Joe Burrow, best quarterback in his division. I'm going to buy. I think Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in that division. He can win the big games. He took the team in his second year in the league all the way to the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson has yet to win really a big game. I believe he only has one playoff win. He just seems to collapse when it comes to the elite teams until he proves otherwise. If you ask me who I'm going to take in the wild card round or if it's the divisional playoff game, I'm going to take Joe Burrow every day over Lamar Jackson. All right, last one, Robert. Buy or sell. Taylor Heineke will be Washington's starter next season. <laughs> There's our Heineke discussion. 
Yes. How to do buying it. it. Give it to me. I'm buying all of it. I think Heineke will be Washington's starter next season, 2023. Taylor Heineke show. Yeah, I'm going to buy that too. Because Why? Because I think Washington makes some stupid moves and they're going to buy the Heineke train and they're going to stick with him. And then by week three next year, everyone's going to be clamoring for him to get benched. They probably could get Jimmy Garoppolo if they really wanted to in the offseason. I think he would be a much better fit for that team. I think that they could also draft a quarterback, but I don't think they will. I think they're going to, they have a track record of just sticking with bad quarterbacks. So I buy that one as well. But that is it for today, Robert. Thank you so much for joining us again. And before we sign off, I want to open up the gates for you to lay out any advice or anything you got for the audience. Yeah, yeah, Ali, obviously still plenty more football to come between now and and our next show. Obviously, tonight the Niners are playing the Cardinals in Estadio Azteca, Mexico City. This game is, of course... It's already climbed. We know that Murray's going to be out, so the number's already reached to 10 with a total set to 43. Of course, we'll discuss all of our games coming up on Thanksgiving. Bills will be at the Lions. Giants will be at the Cowboys and the Patriots at the Vikings. Uh, already put up these numbers, so made the Bills almost double-digit, nine-point favorites. Cowboys almost double-digit, nine-point favorites as well. And then the Vikings, Patriots late. Uh, Vikings... Settle in at three. Uh, I think that's the right number, and I don't think that's an overreaction. I think everything is going to be said. So, uh, Ali, maybe you're right. Maybe we will see an upset or two. Uh, All right. Said, well, I let, I like much. San Francisco to cover tonight. I know it's a big yeah. number. I know usually in these divisional rivalry games, I love taking home underdogs, especially with double-digit points. But I think that Colt McCoy going up against the Niners' defense is a lot different than him going up against the L.A. Rams' defense. So I'm taking the Niners to lay the points. How about you, Robert? Yeah, too, too, way too much today. I think that the Niners definitely cover uh, and win by double digits tonight as well, Allie. All right, well said. Well, Robert and I will be back on Wednesday. We'll preview the three Thanksgiving games along with the games for the weekend. So I want to thank everyone for joining and have a great day. Take care.